Chapter 10 To Begin Again The following morning, a dwarven female with long black hair arrives in town. Her eyes beam with joy when she sees Carson. At once, the dwarf removes his hat, drops his pack, and rushes forward. In a sweet embrace that seems to last forever, the two dwarves find themselves the center of attention. Everyone, this is my betrothed, Svea, Carson explained shyly. I see, so this is your reason for crossing the mountains of Dwee with such haste, Fadar realizes. You face the tunnels of Larsic for a valley dwarf, Beth blurts out in surprise. I think it's romantic, Tatiana points out. Reckless is more like it, Beth disagrees. You cross the tunnels, Svea asks as she puts her hands on her hips, enraged with her betrothed decision. I wouldn't have tried if they weren't in just as much of a hurry. You always were the type to help others when you could, she shakes her head. I'm just glad you're safe. Beth rolls her eyes at the two dwarves. As promised, my kind dwarf, Fadar states as he tosses the dwarf a bag of coins. You charged an old gnome and two human girls? Svea asks furiously. He deserves it. His rate was low and was offered protection for his services, Fadar answers. Protection? Jantis, my fellow gnome, is overseeing the healing of two soldiers of Bursh who accompanied us. In total, there are six of us, and still Carson proved invaluable to the team. We could not have passed through without his courage and expertise, Fadar insists. Well, that doesn't surprise me, Svea states as she looks up at her dwarf. Thanks again, Fadar. Tell the soldiers I give them my farewells. You won't stay to say goodbye yourself? Beth asks, slightly insulted. No, we have a two-day journey northeast of here to Svea's hometown. It wouldn't be proper to make her family and friends wait, Carson explains. I see, Fadar interrupts as Beth is about to say something. We wouldn't want the family of your future bride to be waiting, he offers with a bow. If you don't mind, I'll be taking this as well, Carson states as he rolls up the map hand-drawn by Reuben. I did lose my map in the tunnels, after all. I don't think we'll be needing it, Fadar agrees. Two more days pass before Than and Reuben finally awaken from their exhaustion, costing the group an additional three days of time, bringing their journey to twenty days. Much to their surprise, it is Tatiana and Beth who take care of them while at the inn. With a little advice from the innkeeper and Fadar, Tatiana and Beth patch up the two soldiers quickly. Still sore from the fight with their monstrous friend, Than and Reuben stay in bed most of the day, unable to move. A mending potion for their broken bones and a healing potion for their scrapes and bruises sit on the end tables next to each of them. I'm so glad you made it out alive, Than, Tatiana exclaims, smiling at Than as she changes a few of his old bandages. We're happy you're alive too, Reuben, Beth adds with a smile as she attempts to remove his. Reuben put his hand on Beth's and shakes his head. You are an idiot, soldier, Tatiana points out coldly, her piercing eyes looking straight through Reuben. You're welcome, Reuben offers obnoxiously. You could have died four times by my count, she adds. What? I had everything under control, he pretends. That's not how Carson put it, she expresses, folding her arms. Than almost died too. Wait, four? Than is a dwarf who can take a hit. You're just a stupid, useless human, and two of those times were for when I was going to strangle you in your sleep, she continues as she makes her way to the door. Man, she's just as deadly as the cave bear, Than realizes with a whistle. Whoa, 
So I sacrifice my life to save your friends and I get a lecture from the person who suggested it? Ruben questions her. You left us, Tatiana shouts as she leaves the room. Sheesh. You know she's only mad at you because she cares. I don't think she cares for you much, but she definitely doesn't hate you, I think. Beth explains as she sits next to Reuben, who's sitting there in bed. She's a piece of work, isn't she? Reuben adds. Sculpted by the elves themselves, Than states, throwing his arms behind his head as he daydreams. Not at all what I meant, Reuben points out. Don't mind him, he likes all the ladies. It's okay, I know she's pretty, Beth admits, looking down at the bed. Hey, you're just as attractive as she is. No, I'm not. All the guys notice her. She's beautiful. I'm just her sister, her shadow, Beth replies. I don't believe that, Reuben assures her, as he slips back down under the covers. I know, she admits sweetly, before getting up to leave. Reuben just lies there staring up at the ceiling as she leaves, thinking about anything and everything. As Beth shuts the door behind her, Than turns and looks at Reuben. You know she likes you, right? What? No. Who? Reuben asks, surprised with Than's statement. Open your eyes. Beth has a thing for you. Whatever, Than. Go to sleep, Reuben suggests, pushing the idea aside. The next morning, Reuben and Than wake up with the sun finding all four companions in the room with them still asleep. Tatiana and Jantis are sleeping in a chair nearest the door and opposite the bed Than is in, while Beth and Fadar are asleep in the chair opposite to Reuben's bed, which is nearest the window. Upon waking, Reuben notices both girls are shivering from the cold mountain air. Reuben slides out of bed and stretches obnoxiously, then realizing he doesn't have any pants on, just his long undershirt. Reuben looks over at Than curiously, whose pants are still on. Looks like you got cut pretty bad, Than points out. Reuben stands, feeling a tight pull on his leg. Oh, he states, noticing the stitches on his right thigh. I guess that cave bear got me better than I thought. Both break out into laughter, and causing their four still-sleeping roommates to stir. Help me move them into the beds, Reuben suggests. They probably haven't had a warm bed for three days now. No thanks to us being unconscious. Reuben proceeds to move Beth and Fadar over to his bed, limping as he carries them. He pulls the covers up over the bed and slides the two inside. I have a problem, Than notes, attempting to whisper. I may have shed hair all over the bed. Gross, Than. Just bring them over here, Reuben adds, softly shaking his head at the idea of dwarven body hair all over the bed. Than proceeds to do just as suggested and moves Tatiana and Jantis over to Reuben's bed. To the baths? Than asks excitedly. Absolutely. After pouring several buckets of warm water over his body to wash away the hair, Than hurries over to the showers to scrub himself clean before slipping into the large public bath center of the room. Much to his surprise, Reuben isn't already soaking in the geothermally heated spring water. Instead, Reuben sits in one of the shower stations using his dagger's 10-inch blade to cut and pull out the stitches in his leg. You couldn't have possibly healed from that already, Than states in disbelief. Well, I have. It was a surprisingly clean cut and I heal rather quickly, Reuben offers with a smile. That cut was at least an inch or two deep. You couldn't possibly have... Reuben turns and shows the lack of wound or scar on his leg. But you were limping earlier, Than notes. Leg was asleep. Than face palms at the notion. It only takes a day for my injuries to heal, usually, Reuben explains. How is that possible? 
I'm not entirely sure, but it has something to do with dragon's blood. So you're part dragon, Than inquires again in disbelief. No, I'm completely human, and not immortal. At least I hope not. I just heal from injuries faster than normal, Reuben continues. How'd you get it? I inherited it through my father. How do you know that? I thought you were an orphan. Yeah, Reuben hesitates, taking a long, deep breath. I am. My father disappeared when I was three. How? I don't know really or why, and I know even less about my mother. But you know you have an incredible gift you inherited through your father. Some might consider it that, Reuben confirms. I was on my own until I was eleven when I entered Bursch's school of knighthood, so I don't know much about my family at all. I was sixteen when I enrolled, a year or two before you were even born, I'd imagine. Than realizes with heavy laughter and gracefully changing the subject. What did you major in? Than asks. Arbalist under Jocelyn Arc, the daughter of the famous crossbow user Jacques Arc. Just before Robert Loxley took her place and swordsmanship under Francis Lake. No extra courses? Oh, I took six extra courses. I was there for seven years. That's how I majored in two weapons. Oh, Than realizes in surprise. The bathhouse fills with silence as the two companions are left alone to their thoughts. Reuben wanting to explain everything, who he is, why he is, how, but he can't. He knows too little himself, and he's already said far more than he wanted to. Than likewise wants to ask all the questions, curious about his friend, whom he's known for over a year now, but seems to know very little about. How is it I've never noticed you never seem to grow tired, and I've never once seen you become ill? I can't even recall ever being without something to talk about in the almost two years we've known each other. Yet the more I think about it, the more I realize I barely know you at all, Reuben, Than asks, mostly to himself. Well, I don't actually know much more than what I just told you, so it's not like I could have brought it up in conversation. I don't know my own surname, and I can't, well, I can't read. So it's not like I can go to the library and find out, Reuben explains as he grows embarrassed with himself. You can't read? Than blurts out. Shh. It isn't exactly something I want people knowing, Reuben states as his face turns red in the empty bathhouse. How do I not know these things? Than asks with a chuckle. I've gotten pretty good at hiding them. I got through school without knowing how to read. It can't be that important, Reuben explains. Is that why you didn't graduate? Maybe. No maybes, yes or no. Yes, I didn't graduate. According to the school records, I was just the janitor's assistant. A generous old man, just as mysterious as you seem to think I am. Still, I know the type of man you are, Reuben. In that moment, Dan realizes he can trust him, and that he'll never leave his side. As long as he can, he is going to be there to protect him. Reuben rolls his head back in a hard laugh. Oh yeah, what kind of man am I? You'll have to find that out for yourself, Than assures him with an evil smile. Then how do you know what kind of man I am? I just do. That makes no sense, Reuben chuckles. A few hours pass before it's finally time for breakfast. The innkeeper is an amazing, sweet old valley dwarf. She's so ecstatic that the group is finally back together and healthy that she cooks an entire breakfast for the six travelers consisting of eggs and toast, ham and bacon, as well as some boiled oats for the vegetarians of the group. Not long after breakfast, the group finally gets back on track and ready for the journey ahead. 
Their mission remains. To find more information on the goblins and merfolk attacking their two countries of Garvin and Birch, and to deliver a warning and a call to aid the elves. After picking up their belongings, they head for the next town. An elegant brick road paves the way to Cortesh, capital of the land of Kelsic. Jantis and Fadar sit upon the shoulders of Tatiana and Elizabeth Dace, staring ahead through the beautiful forest that fences the road. Beth looks down at a pamphlet with a synopsis of the elven country. The land of Kelsic was once known as the Forgotten Land, for many had come to this beautiful land to forget their worries. Although impossible to truly forget, the elves and valley dwarves of Kelsic offer no shortage of things to do. Kelsic remains as the most prosperous and growing country in all of Azurus, a country of science and philosophy, Beth reads aloud from the words of the pamphlet. So how much farther do you think we have before we reach Cortesh? Beth then asks. Probably a thousand miles more, Fadar quickly answers. A thousand? Beth and Tatiana's eyes widen. Or more, Jantis adds. Why couldn't we use a stagecoach again? We are to pose as travelers, otherwise we wouldn't even be welcomed here. A stagecoach would question our intentions. But we brought them, Tatiana points at the two uniformed soldiers marching behind them. Mercenaries for hire, Jantis shrugs. They look too dirty to be soldiers. Thanks, Reuben states, irritated with the remark. But it's true. If you two were still in the service of Bursch, you'd be wearing cleaner uniforms right now. Not these dirty rags, Jantis points out. This is supposed to be the enlightened land of beauty and science, and I still haven't seen any elves, Than interrupts with a complaint. The beauties and science exist closer to Cortesh, Than, Fadar explains with excitement. But that could take weeks before we get to see the curves of an elven woman. Come on, Than, can't you think about something else? Something other than the opposite sex, Reuben pleads. Since we've been on this quest, you've done nothing but stare at Tatiana and check out every female, human, and dwarf in passing. Oh, whatever, you've checked out a few girls yourself, soldier, Tatiana interjects. Is that my new name now, soldier? Reuben asks, unamused. Yes, soldier, it is. Reuben shakes his head dismissively. At least I don't drool over everything in a skirt. So women are just things to you? Why am I being attacked again? All I wanted to do was stop hearing Than talk about women. Because you're just as much of a pig as he is. Are all men pigs, your highness? Reuben inquires in return. Not all, but most, she answers, firmly taking the lead as the group continues. Reuben leans over to Than. I wonder what side of the bed she rolled out of. Beats me. Than shrugs. I just want to see some elven beauties soon. He continues rubbing his hands together. Than, we're here as guards on business, not for pleasure or sightseeing. Oh, come on, you know those two gnomes are just as excited to see some elves too, Than adds. Remember, too, we're supposed to appear as travelers, so we are definitely going to be sightseeing, Jantis assures him, as he and Fadar, who are still sitting on Tatiana and Beth's shoulders respectively, turn around, offering a smile. I'm surrounded by idiots, Reuben mumbles to himself. This is going to be a long journey. Thank you for listening to The Legend of Azurus, Dragonborn. Written by Corey E. Slane. If you like this content, consider buying a physical copy on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can become a supporter. 
support the podcast with a small monthly donation to sustain future episodes. Thanks again for listening, and tune in next time for more chapters of The Legend of Azerus, Dragonborn.